Hey, sports fans. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Hosk, and I like triple overtime. I'm Jones, and I like triple deeks. I'm Kudo, and I like going five hole. Let's get into sports and stuff. What are we talking about? I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Or not. Ball into the wind of it is first up for Just a bit outside. You're an announcer with a long stick from time to time. Catch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. It's funny to me too. Screw up. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Welcome everyone to episode number nine of Into Sports and Stuff. We're back at it talking about all things that happened in the world of sports. On tonight's episode, we're talking about the Miami Marlins shit show and the first week of the baseball season. We also take a look at the NBA seeding season. We're previewing picking winners for the NHL play-in series. And we're trying to choke down our disgusting rare stakes this is into sports and stuff well guys we're into the first week of the baseball season and our worst fears almost came to reality you know we're still hanging on by a thread but the miami marlins are doing everything in their power to uh make sure we don't get the rest of this baseball season played uh what do you guys think just disgusted (laughs) i don't know how i don't know how they could have played on was it Sunday when they already knew they had some positive tests? Like, how did they still decide to go? They With with a group text message, they decided they were still going to go out in the field and play? Like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, isn't the NBA not, or sorry, MLB not uh, testing every day, supposedly? Like, how's their testing working? Uh, how are guys showing up to games and being positive when they're supposed to be testing every day, as they, they said? I don't understand. I think they're doing like nasal swab every other day and they're doing a less um, accurate test every day or a less like a not government recognized test every day or something like that. So the nasal swabs go to the lab in Colorado or wherever it is um, and then they do the other swab or the other test at the park. Yeah, I just I just don't understand how they like they went out on the field knowing that there's people because they didn't just put themselves at risk, right? Like they put the Phillies at risk. Thank God that none of them have tested positive or else it would have made for an even bigger shutdown, which is, you know, they've had to cancel their games against the Yankees. And now sounding like there's going to be teams with uneven number of games played this year. So I don't know how they really expect to find out who's going to make the playoffs when not everyone plays 60 games like are they going to do the same thing with the nhl and go like win percentage or yeah, baseball already does win percentage because there's no uh there's no ties but they you know they can make up games at the end of the year if they had to i'm sure um but they've already unbalanced the schedule so like like the yankees are playing the orioles tonight or or tomorrow night instead of their regularly scheduled series so against the Phillies. So it, it's, it could be unbalanced now for those guys. So the Yankees get extra games against the shitty Orioles. Um, yeah, I just... And, and then did you guys see Derek Jeter's comments where he's, he's basically stating that it happened in, uh, in Atlanta? So what, no. what the fuck was... What was the whole team doing in Atlanta that they got this positive test? You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. Probably going to a strip club. Isn't that what everyone's doing? <laughs> some hot wings with the Williams. Yeah, I I just don't understand. Like, you know that your season and your basically your paycheck relies on you staying healthy to get this season completed, and you don't take like all the precautions to make sure you stay healthy and you can play all these games. Like, 
I wouldn't, if it was me in that situation, like it's like ballpark home. Yeah. And the problem is we'll never know what the, what the issue was, but you know, well, moving on, um, our boy, uh, Joe Kelly out in the, uh, LA, uh, LA Dodgers threw behind um, was handed an eight game suspension today, uh, Wednesday, uh, July 29th as we record, uh, last night he threw, uh, threw a couple behind Alex Bregman. Um, and then I think he threw, well, he struck out Carlos Correa. I don't know whether he threw behind him as well in that at bat, but he struck him out and then he mocked him coming off the field and it caused the benches to clear. Um, eight game suspension. He didn't even get tossed from the game. So I think it's, you know, pretty harsh suspension, you know, especially with the shortened season, it equals like a, a 20 something game suspension. So I don't know that it's necessarily warranted, but um, we figured guys were going to send a message at the Astros and, you know, it seems Joe Kelly was the guy to, uh, to do it. Well, I find it pretty funny that he wasn't even part of the Dodgers team that year and he's still throwing at them, but I guess he was with the Red Sox at the time. So he probably has some, uh, yeah. And, and, and the Red Sox lost to the Astros the first yeah, round so, that year. So, and he's a wild card. That guy is a, he's a crazy man. I, I find it funny. Wasn't he on the Red Sox team that was also alleged of using like Apple watches to cheat to, uh, to steal signs was he not a part of that team too uh i don't know if he was there or not it was the next year i think oh no maybe it was when john farrell was there who knows there's too much shady shit that goes on with the boston red sox to keep track of but uh um yeah well let's just all agree that joe kelly is the the hero that uh that we need did you hear that the dodgers are making shirts with uh joe kelly's face on it with like the crybaby face he made towards uh Korea that I definitely want to get that was the best yeah that was the best it's like a pouty face yeah that's like vintage like eight-year-old Haas (laughs) with the with the pouty lip on Uh, (laughs) I loved it um you know just what a beauty well and the best thing is apparently you told him like nice swing you little bitch (laughs) (laughs) that's according to Dusty Baker manager of the Astros so yeah I think uh you know uh, I'm pretty happy with the with how it went down overall. Hopefully, he doesn't he gets his um, suspension reduced? It doesn't even get tossed from the game. How can you how can you suspend him eight yeah. games? I, I think that's hard to uh, to justify. Yeah, and there and there was no like blows thrown. There was no pushing and shoving. It was just arguments. And and let's remember these are uh, this is a team that is found guilty of cheating guilty hasn't had to pay really any price they give up some draft picks it's not like they got their world series stripped they didn't get um you know they didn't really have to pay the piper uh we assumed that guys were going to be throwing at them and you know they had one you know thrown behind it not even didn't even hit him um now granted it was at a bad spot behind his head but still you know I, i think it's uh well it was a breaking ball it wasn't like a fastball it was. It was. It was uh, he, the one behind. The one behind Bregman was a fastball. Yeah, yeah. that one was a little iffy because he was going for the head. It seemed like. Yeah, that one's. I think that one's the. I think that one's the issue. But the other yeah. two weren't too bad. I didn't have no problem with it. He was going more for the ribs. Do you think this is going to like? This is the MLB sending a message to teams like. We're not going to take your shit of throwing at the Astros players, I guess, by saying yeah, but like. They- they should have known that they'd be doing that. Yeah, I understand, but like they're trying to send a message saying like um, it's going to be an eight-game suspension if you do shit like that, right? Yeah, 
but I, I think they failed to uh, to uphold the integrity of the game. Like these players should have been suspended. I know that the players association would have would have fought it, and that's the reason they weren't suspended. Um, but now they're they're taking the players way of governing the players away from the players and it, i don't think that that makes any sense true so do you guys find anything interesting in the uh first week of the mlb season actually I, i've got a nice fact here fun fact a, is it a kudo fun, fun fact kudo fun fact i like it F- first of the year might be a new segment hopefully pico gives you a theme song for this uh that would be hilarious. I, I would like a new segment every week. Kudos fun fact <laughs> of the week. I don't know if I'm going to have a f- fun fact for every week, but well, you better mind for the first uh, weekend of the MLB. Kudos. Fun facts. Apparently, going into Sunday, there were six blown saves just on Sunday. And then after Sunday, there was a total of 11 blown saves in four days of games. I'm guessing the closers coming in are still not used to having any fans there because I guess a lot of them use the uh, fans for like adrenaline rush and use that to feed and go out there and just throw bullets, lasers, basically. And with no fans behind them, they got nothing and they're just blowing games left, right, and center. Uh, I, I do I do think that there's merit in that adrenaline rush thing, but I, I think the bigger thing is that these guys aren't in shape yet. And that's the that's the hard reality of it. Yeah, you're seeing a lot of a lot of injuries. Pitchers aren't going very deep either in two weeks and get in shape no. to play, and it's just not not possible. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes the pitchers to get like their arms stretched out, and you know how much longer it's going to take them before they can go deep into ball games, and this, the the uh, closers are like top-notch like they usually are right yeah for sure i think that's you know the time is going to tell in, the, in a 60 game season like literally they're going to be playing like a 40 game season because they're right now in a in a 20 game spring training to try and get themselves into shape and you know hopefully we don't see too many you know major injuries uh we saw ken giles leave for the jays on sunday after blowing a save and he's got you know um forearm strain justin verlander's got a forearm strain uh bo bichette's got a quad strain uh randall randall gretchick's got a oblique strain i think um uh, sorry for all my uh non-blue jays fans i don't have too many updates on your guys on the other teams um because we up in canada are are focused on hockey right now uh but uh yeah i'm sure there's lots of other you know minor tweaks uh like that around the around the game of baseball and it's you know it's going to take away from the game this season for sure so um you know my biggest surprise i have two of them uh one is the blue jays they are as we speak here they're about to lose a game so they're going to drop to uh to three and three but they were three and two coming into tonight's action and they should have been four and one if their closer hadn't got hurt or had said he was hurt a little earlier they probably would have won that game sunday against tampa bay um so uh pretty surprising that they've come out of the gate so hot um the red sox come out as a dumpster fire um which makes me smile and um (laughs) and the seattle mariners uh thoroughly disappointed me out of the gate um i think everybody else in the world would have uh would have known that they were going to be this bad out of the gate but uh not this guy so uh, i'm gonna 
I'm just going to eat it um, as as they continue to free fall through the season here. We can't even say that there's lots of time left with there only being 60 games for the Mariners, Hosk. Yeah. Well, there, there's as much time left for them as there is for everybody else. Yeah, that's true. And Detroit's surprisingly been doing well, too. We thought they were going to be shit. They are shit. Don't, don't get it twisted. Hey, they could still pull it off. I think uh, Pagioni might have a good... Uh, Pick here with those uh, Mets and uh, what he had Mets and the uh, Rays. Mets and Rays in the World Series. It's yeah, still Mets early. Still early. But after the first week or so, you are pretty close to getting that right. I think. I don't like the two hottest teams. I don't want to pump my own tires right now. It's still early, and we've seen how our rare stakes have gone lately. So it's at some point it's about to blow up. Kudo, if you want to crown his ass, then crown him. But he is who we <laughs> thought he is. <laughs> we knew who they were. We left them off the hook. <laughs> All right. Um, so moving forward here, we've got the NBA. Um, their play-in series or um, end of the regular season is set to kick off um, tomorrow night as we record. Last night, as you listen, um, they are you know taking the court in the bubble, uh, playing eight games to finish out the regular season. Uh, basically, becomes a seeding season for them. Uh, There's still. I think five teams alive in the West trying to uh, trying to get into the playoffs. They're they're battling to you know, get the the eighth seed in the playoffs. There, um, I think two teams or three teams alive still in the East trying to get in. Um, any thoughts on on basketball here, boys? I think basketball is going to be interesting. Um, I know that uh, they wanted to get Zion there and. He went. He left the bubble, so I don't even know if he's going to be able to play their first couple games. But uh, the NBA did something a little different than the NHL, and they're kind of trying to finish their regular season with the teams that were still mathematically alive to make a push for the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how the games play out. They kind of like picked and choose who was going to play who, and the Raptors ended up getting the uh, the toughest schedule with their eight games i know they have to play the lakers i think they have to play the clippers too and the bucks um so that'll be that'll be a good test for them i know i was listening to nick nurse the other day he said they were gonna they were gonna game plan for the lakers but they weren't gonna show them every everything they got because if they have to meet them in the uh in the finals they still want to have some tricks up their sleeves so i think that's a good way of looking at it um the raptors are healthy so that's also good news for them. They had a lot of games this year where they were down some guys. So it'll be interesting to see how they come out and how the rest of the teams come out to finish off the regular season. I saw a quote today from, uh, I don't know who, it was like a, a rival assistant coach or something like that, but it was just uh, in regards to um, planning to play the Raptors. And it was something like along the lines of um, they have like 20 different uh, defensive formations that they use. So they're a pain in the ass to, to game plan for. Um, I don't know how many, uh, I don't know how many defenses a normal team would use probably like, you know, seven or eight, maybe uh, we'll have to get our, uh, our, our ginger NBA correspondent Dave on one of these days to uh, to to really coach us up on uh, on this stuff, but uh, yeah, I think definitely going to be interesting for the NBA. Um, got some odds here on uh, on teams that could make the eight seed in the West. Um, so the Grizz, I imagine, are sitting in the eight spot right now. They are uh, minus one twenty odds. Um, the Pelicans plus two seventy five. Trailblazers are plus 400. 
Uh, Sacramento is plus 1,200. San Antonio is plus 5,000. Phoenix is plus 20,000. And the Dallas Mavericks are plus 100,000. Now, I, I think I saw math the math around it today, and I think that the Suns were like a 0.1% chance to get in. So I don't know why the Mavericks odds are so much worse than theirs. But if you're going to bet any of these odds, I would bet the Mavericks over the Suns because I think they have mathematically a better chance of being into the playoffs. But, um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe the Mavs are the seven or the six seed right now. And that's why their, their odds are so low to, uh, to get in. But I think that they're, this is here. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure why they're out. Maybe it's maybe they got to fall back. Maybe that's why their odds are so bad. Yeah, the Mavs are in. Uh, they're in seventh place in the West, and they are seven games up on the Grizzlies. There you go. So there you go. That makes sense. So they have. So they have to fall. They basically have to go zero and eight, and the Grizzlies have to go eight zero for them to, I guess, fall back into the, the eighth place. Um, did they have odds for the Trailblazers? Yeah, plus four hundred. Plus four hundred. Hmm, that's an interesting one. The the uh, Trailblazers, Pelicans, and Kings are all tied right now in like ninth place. If you were looking yeah. to throw any how, money, how many games back are they? They are uh, three and a half. So really, they're not making up that ground. Well, they only have to be within two games. The ninth seed team has to be within two games of the eighth seeded team. And then they have a play-in game. Okay. So they have like a play-in tournament, I guess. And if you're in ninth, you have to win two games in a row. And if you're in eighth, you just have to win one game and you're in. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting way to do it. I guess they, the NBA was just looking for some more revenue to get more games on TV. Like you got those eight extra season games. So that's what, like 64 games or something like that they've got or 80 something games because there's 13 and nine. Come on, Kudo, quick math. 22 times eight. 22 times eight. I can't do that on the spot. I'm not your math guy. No, that's got to be wrong too. I think there's like 80 something games that that are still to be played. So they're looking for some more advertising, like TV money and stuff like that. That seems a lot of games for playing, just to get in. Well, each team's playing eight games, right? Still seems a lot to me. Well, should just, they should have just done series like they did with the NHL. I think the problem is, is that they're they're heavy in the West, right? Oh, okay. In the West, and, and basically, it's to get Zion in, right? In the West, they have thirteen teams there, and in the East, they only have nine because Washington is. Uh, Washington is like five and a half games behind Orlando in the East. So they have to make up three and a half games, I guess three games per se to, uh, to even get a play in game. So it's, I don't know. It's a nightmare. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It seems pretty complicated. That's why I don't focus too much on the NBA. I'm more of the uh, MLB NHL kind of guy. Oh, there you Baseball go. Baseball hockey for this guy. Sorry, boys, but I don't pay attention much to the NBA. <laughs> Sorry, D-Bar. <laughs> yeah, that's why we need Dave on. He's the he's the NBA correspondent. He should be down in Orlando for us. 
Yeah, he should be. I think the food's gotten better, though, from what I understand. Yes, I heard that, too. I also heard that they have more fun stuff than the NHL. Like, they can go fishing and <laughs> pretty much go to strip clubs. <laughs> if they want to quarantine for 10 days like Lou Williams. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and I saw that Zion is back in the bubble, but they're still unsure if he's going to be able to play their first game, correct? Yeah, I don't I don't know if he's fit enough, fit enough to play. Yeah. So that's why there's talk of him not being able to play their first game. All right, guys, let's uh, let's take our uh, our show on the road. Let's enter into the NHL bubble. Let's uh, you know, let's cue the music, Pico, and let's uh, let's get into our uh, NHL uh, preview show. First order of business for us. Uh, we're going to start in the West. And uh, Kudo, give us a preview of the Canucks Wild. Yeah, so I have the Canucks uh, versus the Wild. And then after, they both played 69 games this season. The Canucks were ahead with 78 points. The Wild ended up with 77 points. So the Canucks ended up in 7th in the West. And the Wild ended up in 10th in the West. And uh, up head-to-head, Wild took it with uh, two wins and a loss. And basically, this uh, series is going to be the Young Canucks versus the Old Wild, so-called Wild Vets. And some of the key points I got here is the Canucks like are looking to get back into the playoffs because they haven't been there since 2015. The Wild, last time we were in the playoffs in 2018. And we're looking at the Canucks being like a young, quick team, the Wild having experience, and basically a lot of their players have one last shot in the playoffs. And then um, the Wild finished up their season after firing uh, Bruce Boudreau on Valentine's Day. Poor guy. Brucey. What a heartbreak that was. Brucey. Uh, <laughs> they finished up 8-3-1, uh, three, winning three out of four games before the pause. And uh, the Canucks, are uh, they have one of the deepest, most uh, balanced lineups in the West. And it's, I think it's going to be a pretty good series to watch. And basically... I think I got the Canucks in five in that one. Yeah, I think this that's going to be a a pretty good series. Like you said, it's the the veterans versus the uh, the young guard in the Canucks. There, you know, I'm I'm riding the uh, the veteran leadership in the Wild uh, dressing room, and uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna take out the young Canucks. Um, I'm all about goaltending, and I think Jacob Markstrom's been one of one of the better goalies this year, and I'm gonna gonna stick with Yakuto and I'm gonna ride the Vancouver Canucks and I think they're also gonna take it in five games yeah I think the main thing it's gonna come down to goaltending in that one but the Wilders are pretty much unsure of who's actually starting like if it's gonna be Dunick or uh Stalock. Yeah, I think the I think Stalock's yeah. been the better goalie but I think they're worried that if they need to go to second goalie is Dubnik going to be the one to go to so I think they might start Dubnik and then uh, have Stalak as their their fallback if there's uh one thing you guys will realize this year there's a lot of uh there's a lot of teams uh, unsure of who they're going to start in net for the first game of the playoffs and a lot of teams that can go to uh multiple goalies to help them win games yeah yeah I guess it, because it just shows how important those last 10 games of the regular season are yeah definitely Okay, Jonesy, you want to queue up the uh, the Flames Jets for us? Sure can. 
Um, so we've got the eight-seeded Calgary Flames, who had a record of 36-27-7 for 79 points against the ninth-seeded Winnipeg Jets, who had a record of 37-28-6 for 80 points. Uh, the F- Flames and Jets only played once, and it was outdoors at the Heritage Classic. The game ended uh, 2-1 for the Jets in overtime on a Brian Little goal. The Flames are led by Matthew Kachuk with 61 points, while Winnipeg has got co-leaders in points in Kyle Connors and Mark Shifley, both totaling 78 points. The Jets will be without Travis Hamanick, who opted out, but still boasts one of the better def- blue lines in the league, led by their captain, Mark Giordano. The Jets, on the other hand, had their blue line decimated this offseason, but have been kept alive by stellar play of Vezina candidate Connor Hullabuck. For the Jets to win the series, they need to stay out of the penalty box as the Flames hold the 12th best power play while the Jets rank 22nd in the penalty kill. And for the Flames to win the series, they need to get strong goaltending from whoever they decide to start between David Reddick and Connor Tel- Connor oh. <laughs> Cam Talbot as they have uh, as well as get a strong effort. Connor Talbot? Is that, is that who's yeah. starting for Yeah. As well as get a strong effort from the team pest, Matthew Kachuk. I think this series is going to be close. I think it's going to be a lot of close scoring games. I think there's going to be a few overtimes, maybe a long overtime. Um, once again, I'm all about goaltending. I think if Hallebuck can play as well as he did this year, I think he's going to win the Vesna Trophy. Um, I think the Jets are going to take this series and uh, in five games as well. Well, you, you know I love me some uh, Connor Talbot, but um, <laughs> uh, you know I, I'm with you. I think the Jets. Uh, I think the Jets have a lot of firepower, and I think they have uh, the experience of the playoffs. They've made a deep run in the past. Hallebuck has shown that he can be a, a big game goalie when he needs to be. Um, so I'm on the Jets as well. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, take the Jets in four there, basically because they got some sick flow on that team. And Mark Shifley is just a stud. So I'm taking the Jets in four in that one. Right on. Well, I've got the uh, preview for the Preds and Yotes here. Uh, so we got the number 11 Coyotes versus the number six Nashville Predators. Uh, Coyotes are 33, 29, and 8 for 74 points. Fifth in the Pacific. Uh, the Preds are 35, 26, and 8 for 78 points. Team struggled to put up the put the puck in the net this season, uh, but they both had uh, strong goaltending from their platoons, um, and both teams had big time struggles as well this year. Uh, the Preds fell apart in November December after a strong start to the season. Uh, as a result, uh, Peter Laviolette was turfed. John Hines, who was previously fired by the Devils, was hired in. Uh, under Hines, the Preds went 16, 11, and one, and climbed to six in the Western. Conference. Conference standings. Uh, the Yotes, on the other hand, uh, they started the season on fire, which prompted their then GM, John Chaka, um, to go big game hunting and bringing in Taylor Hall, uh, bring Taylor Hall out to the desert. Uh, the move, however, didn't pay off as the Yotes ran into some injury trouble and goalie Darcy Kemper um, went on the shelf and after that, they went 7, 10, and 3 in their last 20 games prior to the break. Uh, key players 
Um, so for Nashville, I've got Roman Yossi. Um, Yossi needs to be the leader and the best player on the ice for the Preds to, to move on. He's got to lead both offensively and defensively for them. Um, for the Yotes, goaltending is going to be their key. Uh, if they can get a performance from Kemper or Ranta um, that they were getting from Kemper pre-injury, uh, they got a chance to win the series. Uh, but I just don't see that happening. I've got the, the Preds taking the series. Well, that's a hard one to choose. I'm still deciding on that one. I'm thinking Yotes, but at the same time, I think maybe the Preds. So I think I'm going to go – I'm just going to go with my gut and say Yotes in five. Well, I'm going to go on the Preds on this one. I think they're I think they're due. I think they're going to win this, this series. They uh, – two strong goalies. Uh, I think they've got – I know Pecorino has got more playoff experience than uh, Antti Ranta and – uh, Darcy Kemper, so I'm going to go with the uh, the Preds okay. on this. Pluto's going to tee up now the Oilers and Hawks for us. Yes. So we got the Oilers, who ended up with uh, 83 points on this season, making them fifth in the West. And the Blackhawks were 72 points, which ended up 12th in the West. Um, basically what this team is, uh, we got Edmonton, who's got like the scoring power. And Chicago basically has the experience of playing in the playoffs and everything and winning three cups. So head-to-head, Chicago took it with two games to one. Uh, Basically, both teams are looking to get back into the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time since 2017. And uh, with Chicago, they got Crawford, who had COVID-19. So I'm not too sure if he's fit to start for the the Blackhawks there in the series. And then you got the Oilers with uh, Mike Smith. And then some key players for Edmonton. You got, obviously, the two top scorers in the NHL, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. And Edmonton also had the best power play, and they were ranked second in their penalty kill. And basically, I just think Edmonton just they just need to they can score. They got the scoring power. Mostly, the thing they got to focus on is I think is their defense when it comes to Chicago. And then Chicago, they have to decide which goalie they're going to start with, and if it's Crawford's fit, and if uh, and they have to help their goalies out <laughs> because you know Edmonton's going to be coming hard, strong with their uh, scoring touch, and obviously trying to shut down Connor McDavid, and that's a tough task to deal with. And in that series, I'm definitely taking Edmonton in four games. Yeah, I'm on. Uh, I'm on Edmonton in that one too. I think it's pretty much a no-brainer that the uh, the Oilers are, are you know are much better positioned. Um, but you never know. I'm just chant for the Hawks, but I'm uh, I'm going to take the Oilers. Um, I'm also going to take the Oilers. I would love to jump on the Hawks here. I think they've got some experience um, that is going to help them give them a fighting chance in the series. But I think the the Oilers offense is just too high powered for the, the old Hawks defense. So I am going to go with the Oilers as well. Are you also going to skip the next family reunion so that you don't have to face Gus after picking against them? <laughs> uh, no, I think you'll understand this one. My socks, my white socks pick isn't looking too hot right now. They're they're like one and four or something like that. So, all right, Jonesy, you want to queue up the Rangers and Canes for us? Sure, can. I'm just going to let you all know right now. I'm probably going to sound like Don Cherry on this one because there's a, a bunch of European names here, and whew, I have a hard time pronouncing those European names and apparently Canadian names too. <laughs> so we'll we'll let you know when you get them wrong. Yeah, it's okay. Um, so we've got the sixth place Carolina Hurricanes with a record of. 38, 25, and 5 for 81 points versus the 11th place New York Rangers, who had a record of 37, 28, and 5 for 79 points. Uh, the Rangers swept the season series 4 nothing. The 
Carolina Hurricanes top line of Sebastian Ajo, Andrei Seshnikov, and Tino Teravainen combined for 77 goals and 40% of the team scoring. The Rangers were led by Hart Trophy finalist Artini Panarin, who had 32 goals and 63 assists for 95 points. Uh, Carolina had both their goalies hurt leading up to the break. Um, Mrazek came back and actually played the last game of the season. Um, So look for him to start in net. The Rangers have three goalies to choose from. It sounds like they're going to start rookie sensation Igor Shostorkin, who only played 12 games this year, but was a whopping 10-2 and in those 12 games. Uh, Carolina is a very pesky team to play. They play very well on both sides of the puck. They ranked 11th in both goals for and goals against. For the Rangers to win the series, they need to have outstanding goaltending because their defense has been subpar this year. And in that series, I am going to take the Carolina Hurricanes. I just think that they are going to outskate the Rangers. I think they're going to... The Rangers' D is just too bad for any goaltender to uh, to hold in there. So I'm, going, I'm on the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, for me... Even though the Hurricanes um, are going to be reunited with their third-string goaltender, um, Toronto Zamboni driver uh, David Ayers, um, <laughs> I, I think the three goalies that the Rangers are bringing are going to cause some uh, cause some havoc. And uh, you know, the Rangers were a team on the rise as they went into the the COVID break. Uh, I'm hoping they can recapture it. Uh, but I think uh, Shesterkin's the real deal, and I'm going to take the Rangers. Yeah, I also agree with you on that one, Hoska. I'm definitely taking the Rangers. I haven't decided whether I'm taking them for the sweep or in four games, but I'm taking the Rangers. They got the firepower and they got the they got the bread man, and he's going to deliver. Uh, next up, I've got uh, I got the the matchup everyone's been waiting for: uh, the Florida Panthers and the New York Islanders. <laughs> uh, so we got the number ten Panthers, thirty-five, twenty-six, and eight for seventy-eight points. Uh, fourth in the Atlantic, up against number seven, New York Islanders, 35, 23, and 10 for 80 points and sixth place in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, only two points separating the teams in the standings. However, the Islanders won the head-to-head meeting uh, three to zero. However, one game did go to overtime. Uh, the Panthers, a team that can put pucks on net and can score with the best of them, Um they had five uh, five players with twenty goals, uh, scoring twenty goals or more this season, uh, but they do have trouble keeping it out of their own net. Um, the Islanders are kind of the inverse; they have trouble scoring goals, um, but they make up for that with by playing a very stringent defensive structure. Uh, so I think this is going to be a pretty uh, pretty interesting series. Um, key players for the Florida Panthers. I, the key player is going to be goalie Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, and for the Islanders, I think uh, super center Matt Barzell has got to be the difference maker for them. Uh, prior to the break, the Islanders had lost seven in a row um, where the, the Panthers weren't uh, laying the world on fire either. They're, they were playing to a 500 record, 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10 leading in. Uh, so this one to me is a is a toss up. I think both of these teams were trending in the wrong direction going into the COVID break, um, and we'll see kind of you know what kind of hockey these guys can bring. Uh, but for my money, I'm uh, I'm taking the Panthers. I'm taking 
Officer Bobrovsky and uh, the Florida Panthers to uh, to get to the next round here. Well, I think I'm going to go with the Islanders in that one because, like you said, it's a toss-up, and my gut's just telling me Islanders, so I'm taking the Islanders. I am going to also go with the the Islanders. I don't think Bobrovsky's been anywhere near as good as he could be this year, and you never know what the break did for him, but he uh, definitely did not have a stellar season. The Islanders have probably two goalies that can play for them this year. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Islanders on that one. All right. Thanks, Jonesy. Um, I know what all our listeners are thinking. Yeah, we're uh, we're getting to the the two favorite teams left. So we've got two matchups left. We got two guys that have their favorite teams in one of those series. Obviously, we're not going to, you know, give a hometown advantage here. Um, so Mike's going to tell us why the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to beat the Montreal Canadiens. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I don't know about that, but we'll see. But I got the Habs and Pens. The Habs uh, actually played 71 games compared to the Pens, where they only played 69 games. And uh, the Habs had 71 points on the season, and the Pens had 86 points. So obviously the Habs ended up with that 12th spot in the East, and the Pens were in 5th. And basically this series is the Pens uh, who have the experience and the scoring power, which could be key against the Habs goaltending of Carey Price. Because if Carey Price is on his game, it's going to be tough for the Pens to score on him. Um, head-to-head, Pittsburgh took it 2-1. to one. Um, Basically the Habs are looking to get back into the playoffs since 2017. And one key opponent for the Habs is uh, Druan coming back after missing three months with a wrist injury. And then Pittsburgh's got Jake Gansel coming back after missing 30 games. Uh, and obviously Pittsburgh picking up like Patrick Marlowe and Zucker. Are there going to be some key players for the Pens going into the playoffs? And so I've got, you're right, I got Pittsburgh winning in four. And I took that from my good buddy Rob Smith because I know he wants our Habs to lose so we can get that draft pick. Are you saying Pittsburgh? Is that Pittsburgh? Like because you guys are going to go for that number one pick? Is that Pittsburgh? Yeah, I'm taking. I'm taking the taking the pens. Yes, I am. Jones, who you got? Uh, I have the pens. I think they're the better team. I don't think they've played very many games there this year with their uh, full lineup and with this long break. It got a lot of guys healthy and. I still think Sidney Crosby is one of the uh, best players in, on the planet, and uh, I think he's going to help carry the Pittsburgh Penguins over the, the Habs and carry Price. All right. Well, for me and my money, I'm a little concerned about Pittsburgh's goaltending, and I'm a little concerned about the health of Sidney Crosby. That being said, they're playing against – probably a mediocre AHL team at this point with all the players that the Habs sold off at the deadline. Oh, really? Um, you know, Shea Weber's only able to do so much in there for the, the Canadians. That's Weber. Um, so I, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take the Penguins as well. That leaves us one series left. And uh, Jones, why don't you, uh, you queue it up for us? Leafs and Blue Jackets. Toronto finished an eighth with a record of 36, 25, and 9 for 81 points. 
and the Columbus Blue Jackets finished in ninth for a rec- with a record of 31, 22, and 15 for 81 points as well. Uh, both They tied the season series uh, 1-1, but both games were played very early in the season in October. Austin Matthews led the Leafs in goals and in scoring uh, with 47 goals and 33 assists for 80 points. The Jackets were led by Pierre-Luc Dubois, who had 18 goals and 31 assists for 49 points. On the offensive side of the puck, the Leafs hold a distinctive advantage over the Jackets with the top two lines that rival an all-star lineup. On the defensive side of the puck, the Jackets have the advantage over the Leafs. Uh, The Jackets are getting Seth Jones back, who will be paired with Zach Wierenski and trusted to shut down one of the Leafs' top two lines. As well as getting Jones back, the Jackets are also getting Cam Atkinson back, but will be without Josh Anderson. The Leafs are getting two big players back for them as well in the series. Jake Muzzin, who suffered a broken hand, and Ilya Mikheyev, who had that nasty wrist injury. Uh, the Leafs will start Craig or, uh, Frederick Anderson in goal. Well, we're unsure of who the Jackets will start, but both goalies have no playoff experience but do own a com- uh, the fourth best combined goals against average in the league. For the Leafs to win the series, they will need to have an outstanding performance from their very talented forward group and control the time of possession. Well, they will also need to get a strong performance from Anderson and Nett. Uh, for the Jackets to win the series, they will need their defense to remain rock solid and to get an outstanding perf- performance from whoever they start in net to shut down the potent offense of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um... I think this is going to be a great series. I, uh, I'm i torn. I'm a diehard Leaf fan. Um, the Jackets, they play, a, they play a pretty tough game. They like to use their body, um, which is could be disastrous for the Leafs. But I think the Leafs are just too talented up front. They have four players, five players who have combined for more or who have more points than the top point scorer on the Columbus Blue Jackets. So I am going to take the Leafs in five and game five is going to double overtime. Well, in that case, if it's going double overtime, then I'm going Blue Jackets in five because, you know, the Leafs are just going to blow it anyways because they fucking suck. So go Blue Jackets. All right. Well, I think for me, I am not uh, expecting the the letdown. I think that um, Columbus shocked the world last year, but I think they had a lot more talent in their lineup when they did it last year. Um, I think the Leafs have learned a lot from their playoff mistakes. I think they have a better team than they did uh, in the last couple of years. I think their young guys are ready to uh, make a statement, and they're uh, you know they're going to get into the top eight for sure. So uh, I'm riding the Leafs, and you know I don't think it'll be five games. Um, and with that, that wraps up our our preview. Let's recap the, the picks here. Um, starting in the West, Kudo, you want to take us through? Um, you want to take us through the West? Yes. So in the West, we have the Oilers and Hawks, and uh, I took the or we all took the Oilers on that series. Sorry. Um, and then in the Oats and Preds, Hawk took the Preds. Same with Jones, and I took the Oats. With the Flames and Jets, we all took the Jets. And with the Canucks and Wild, I took the Canucks. Same with Jones. And Haas took the Wild. Jones, you want to run us through the East? Yeah. Uh, so in the Rangers-Hurricanes uh, series, 
I took the cardiac canes. Well, Hosker and Kudo both are on the Rangers. Uh, in the Islanders Panthers series, Hosker took the Panthers. Well, me and Kudo took the Islanders. We're all on the Penguins to dismantle the Montreal Canadiens. And in the Leafs Jacket series, me and Hosk are on the Leafs. Well, Kudo is on the Jackets just because he hates Toronto and doesn't know what to do. And it must be real tough to be that big of a hater. <laughs> I love it. Bring it. Um, so yeah. I'm ready for some playoff hockey. I hope you guys are as well. Um, games game starting Saturday. we got five games on the slate. Um, it's going to be great hockey, and uh, I can't wait for it. Um, but here's a segment that I know everybody else has been waiting for. It's the rare stakes of the week. Uh, we're going to chew up this um, greasy mutton that we've been throwing out there the last few weeks. Um, another subpar week from us last week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think the overall records are um, 15 and 17 for Jones, 15 and 17 for myself. And I think kudos something like 10 and 22. Eight. Eight and twenty or something like that. Ten and twenty-two. I was three and one last week. Were you? Yep. Three and one. Out of boy. I got a win. Wow. I I keep getting those one wins in there. It's okay. Oh no! So you were one and three. You weren't one win. One win. Three losses. Yeah. Isn't that what I said? One and three. No, you said three and one. Did I? Oh, sorry. I meant one and three. Sorry. I I was about to uh, get the Twitter trolls uh, chasing you down to get a you know a fact check on that. Sorry. Um, I must have been reading something backwards or something. Yeah, one and three. I got that one win. Keep getting that one win. Oh boy, oh boy. You're a, you're a Hall of Fame baseball player, that's for yep. sure. <laughs> Put me on that mound. All right. So since we're all uh, we're all equally poor, uh, Jonesy, why don't you lead us off this week? Maybe you'll have a little more success. All right. I'm going to do one hockey game, and then I'm going to do three soccer games. The odds for the soccer games are not out yet, so I can't give you those right now. But I'm going to give you my picks anyways. Um, in the Montreal. Pittsburgh first round or first game I am going to go over five and a half goals in that game and that's at a plus 100 um I think there's gonna be lots of goals in this first couple games it's almost like exhibition season and if Montreal can't stay out of the box as you guys witnessed last night they apparently allow shorthanded goals too where they allowed the least to score twice shorthanded last night so there's that for them um in the going to soccer, I'm going to take Juventus and Roma both to score yes. I am going to take uh, Bologna and Torino over two and a half goals. And I'm going to go to Atalanta and Inter Milan. Atalanta needs to score two goals to make it 100 goals on the season, and it'll be the first time in Serie A since 1951 that there's a team to score 100 goals. And so I'm going to go over three and a half goals in that game. I think it's going to be a goal fest. And those are my uh, rare stakes. Credit Hosk and Twitter for giving you the stat line for that Atalanta game. I, I, knew, they were, I knew they needed two more for 100. I didn't know it was so long. All right. Well, thanks, Jones. Hopefully you have some better luck, um, but I doubt it. So yeah. um, send me those picks so I can bet the inverse. Yeah, it's, you know what's going to happen though, right? As soon as you bet the opposite, it's going to hit. Well, as soon as you bet the opposite. That's true. 
Um, Kudo, what do you got for us? All right. So I'm going all Saturday games, and I'm taking two from the MLB and two from the NHL. And my two MLB games, I'm going Baltimore and Tampa Bay, and I'm taking the Tampa Bay Rays in that one. And then I got the New York Yankees versus the Boston Red Sox, and I'm taking those stinking Yankees in that one. And then when it comes to the NHL, I got Edmonton and Chicago. I'm definitely taking Edmonton in that first game. And then I got Carolina and Rangers, and I'm taking the Rangers in that first game. And that's my rare stakes for the week. All right. I like it. Um, you know, that Boston Yankees one is a, is a bold pick, but uh, hopefully it works out for you. Who's pitching that one? Garrett Cole. That's why I took the Yankees. There you go. Who's, who's pitching for the Red Sox? Uh, it wasn't announced yet. I have to double check on that later on. Do you think that game's going to be under three hours? Or I'm sorry, let me correct myself. Under four hours? I think it should be. Yeah, it's not a playoff game. Oh, okay. And Garrett Cole's on the mound, so may not even be nationally televised. All right. Well, for my rare stakes, I'm done with soccer, done with baseball, ready for football, but there's no preseason. So I'm getting into hockey. We got a lot of over unders this week. A lot of over unders. I'm going to join Jones. My first pick, I'm joining Jones on the overtrain in the Montreal-Pittsburgh game. Over five and a half in that one. Um, I'm going to take the Preds and the Coyotes, two teams that I outlined can't score goals. I'm going to take under five and a half in that one. Uh, Blue Jackets and Maple Leafs. I would probably take over seven, but the line is over six. So I'm definitely taking over six in this one. And uh, Blackhawks and Oilers. Um, I think the Oilers will probably score five, but um, I don't know that the Blackhawks will score many. If any, I'm going to take under six. Uh, And those are my rare stakes. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us for our ninth uh, episode. We appreciate all the love and support. Please give us a follow on Instagram at Into Sports and Stuff. Follow us on Twitter at Into Sports Stuff with no and in that one. Feel free to send us your personal picks of the week and let us know any topics you want us to talk about on the show. Uh, Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Join us next week for some special summer stuff coming at you. See you next week, and we'll get into sports and stuff. Producer Pat, hit the music. Bye.